You guys are so easy to get along with. I, Jake, greatly appreciate it. It's been, been fun today, except those of you that beat me on the track. But anyhow, it was, it's, it's been good. Thank you. Um, what we're going to do in this session, I, I semi-apologize for. Um, you know how at home, every now and then, you just open the refrigerator and start pulling things out? And whatever's there, we're kind of going to dive into that. I'm going to reach into the refrigerator and just start pulling some things out. It's based off conversations that I had last night, this morning, and this afternoon. It's going to be random. They will also be a little too brief. And so if you get confused by something, know there's probably more here. But I, I want to give you a framework to think through. So the question is, Randy, why do you think I struggle with depression? Depression is a part of the human condition. You sprain ankles, you're going to be a human being. You, 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 you get colds, you're a human being. And depression's a part of the human con condition. Everybody is going to have some level of it. The question of how deep and how severe, that's, that's the deal. Everybody has some level of depression. That's, that's part of life. Um, if you're going to actually wrestle with your depression, um, there are three streams that come into depression. These three streams, you do not know which one is the primary carrier at the time. In fact, it might not be that all three are carrying a lot. But you have to address three things if you're going to wrestle with your depression. The three streams that flow into it, and maybe years later you'll know which one was primary, they tend to be these. Number one is a deep lie that you believe somewhere that's a long-term lie. It's the performance lie, or the I'm not good enough lie, or I've already wrecked my life lie, or God's not pleased with me lie. I mean, you can run as long as you want to. There will be what I call the, the power of the deeper story. That's probably playing out. And so if you struggle with depression, part of what you're going to have to do is challenge, your, challenge that lie. Again, I said last night, I know Jesus loves me, and every single one of you could stand up and teach on the fact that Jesus loves you. But you kind of believe it here, but in the deepest part. And so what you're doing over the next set of years is you're pushing that lie out and putting the actual truth in. And so depression is, is one stream. Is you've got to address the deeper lie. Scripture is incredibly helpful for that. Godly people, incredibly helpful for that. The second stream. The second stream going into depression probably has something to do, and it may be minor, but it doesn't matter. Some kind of current felt crisis. There's just too many tests. He told me last night that we'd be better friends instead of dating partners. Um, the job I thought I was going to get fell through. Some kind of felt current crisis. And typically, the, the, the felt current crisis is not even a big deal. You're kind of going, it's not that big a deal. Why did I kind of come apart when I got back to my room? It's because the accumulation of these things, the, the long-term lie I've believed, I, I, I'm just not good enough, this proves again, long-term lie, short-term crisis. I'm going to talk with them. Yeah, let me save a little more time on that one. That one, honestly, the short-term crisis, um, recognize it's not really causing the depression. 
it shows up, it's, it's, it's there, but it didn't really what caused it. It just sort of lets it come to the surface. What you really want to do, and don't you dare, don't you dare ask people to rescue from it. Back in 1973, I worked in a psychiatric, 74, I worked in a psychiatric unit in Des Moines, and the Syrian doctor came in and read me the riot act one day. Oh man, he chewed me out. And he said, what do you think you're doing? I was working with a patient named Mary. I, I remember her, I checked her in from my apartment complex, actually. She had had two or three abortions. She had a two-year-old child and the fireman she was living with was beating her and the child. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm trying to help. He said, you're not helping. And then he used a, a line that's really, really important. Anytime you become someone's sole solution in life, you become their sole problem. She's no longer finding that she's whole, capable, and resourceful. She's no longer finding community. She's using you. So when you're in your crisis, don't grab a person who is your, you, you, you grab community and, you, and, and it's helped get spread over multiple shoulders. No one person. You go grab one person, I just need you, I'm in the middle of a crisis. Well, that's fine for companionship at that moment. But anybody who becomes your sole solution becomes your sole problem. Because you won't discover your own wholeness with the Lord, with how God designed you. It's your drug of choice. So you have to address the long-term lie. You have to work and, and grab some companionship through the short-term crisis. And here's the third one. So you got a long-term lie, I got some kind of short-term crisis, and here's the third one. My body's not helping. You're, you got a physiological thing probably going on. I know this is way too simplistic, and, and my apology to you, but the body is fearfully and wonderfully made. You want to applaud God that made you this body. Everybody in this room, even with whatever this broken world gave you, you have an incredible vessel that God put your soul and spirit in. And it's fearfully and wonderfully made, but it's dumb. It's dumb. What I mean by that is not an insult to God. Your body is easily tricked. We can put you in a roller coaster. You know you're trapped in. The 73 lawyers standing there, you know, you're safe but your body can be tricked. So on the roller coaster, your body feels like it's falling and that's why you like roller coasters. You can go to a horror movie and trick your body. You know it's actors and actresses. You know it's red syrup. By the way, I don't go to them. I'm a wimp. I don't go to them, but, but you go to them and, and your body is easily tricked. And so the, the chemicals that run through your body because of a horror movie you kind of go, that was fun. That's why you can have sexual arousal with pixels on a screen. It's not a real person. It's fake. But you can trick your body. So if your body is tricked believing the house is on fire, then the body immediately starts pumping chemicals at it. And you go, wait a second, I've, I've severe depression. Well, what you've got playing out is a long-term lie that's sort of weeping through this thing. You've got a short-term crisis that sort of helped shove you in the back. And then your body decided, okay, I guess if the house is on fire, I ought to do something. And the body is tricked to jumping in. So when you address this, you have to do three things. And by the way, it's not an immediate. I'm, the next thing I'm going to go to will make more sense out of this here in a minute. But 
So you just, without panic, address all three. I'm going to take a journey to put truth into my life. I'm taking a journey. You don't listen to yourself. That'll just keep telling you the same lie. You speak to yourself. One of you last night, and my apology, I had several conversations. I don't, know, I don't remember who it was last night. Your emotions are real and genuine and wonderful. They're a blessing to you. But they always have to be filtered by an outside truth. Always. I think I used a sailing illustration with somebody last night. If you were a sailor, I can't remember who I did that with. But if you got on a ship sailing over the ocean, and they begin to go kind of some weird patterns sailing, and you would say, hey, are you guys working off the North Star? Are you working off the constellations? How are you finding your direction? And they go, well, actually, we kind of gave that up. We hang a lantern on the front of our ship, and we kind of follow that. You would go, whoa, that's... Your emotions have to have something outside of them that actually filter them and tell you whether they're true or not. The long-term lie, you deal with truth. And you deal with truth and people who can walk with you as you discover that truth. You get community around you to help you not overly panic on the short-term crisis. The pencil on the glass looks bent, but it's not really bent. And you reset your body. Well, how do you reset your body? That has a wide spectrum. Sometimes you honestly do need to go see the doctor the same way that you would if you sprained an ankle and I tore some ligaments or something. For some of you, you need a chemical because your body is throwing chemicals at you left and right and you're going to have to balance it out. The house is not on fire. I need something that balances it. But for many of you, it's not going to the doctor and getting a chemical there. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I, I had cancer two and a half years ago, pretty severe cancer. I took medication. My daughter, my daughter is incredible. You actually want to know who ought to be speaking at your it's your stuff in the future it ought to be I got two daughters but both of them are extraordinary but the one I, I say immediately is Katie Katie is extraordinary I, I, I don't know anybody wiser or deeper as a communicator when Katie has her babies she goes into postpartum she just it's just like the chemicals in her body she just I can't do this I can't do this and she has about six weeks five weeks that she's just going, I'm going crazy, I'm going crazy. And we're going, no, hon, you're not. Her body tells her the house is on fire. And so she takes, she's had four babies. I, I, why didn't you stop at one if that was the case? But <laughs> she knows not to overreact by, by child number by three. Child number one, it scared her. Child number two, she thought she'd overcome it. Child number three, she figured out it's not permanent, it's temporary, it's a false signal, it's like a false smoke detector going off. There's no house on fire. The smoke detector's going off, but she learned to ignore it. It's just no big deal. Yeah, it feels real, but it's not real. And medication helped Katie. Others of you, it's not medication. You need to reset your body. I would tell you one of the best things, and I know these sound cheesy, I know they do, they're not. You need a routine in your life where you go back for a 45-minute walk 
and you go for a walk outside, and I don't care what the weather is, you bundle up and you go for a walk and you see creation and you let the wind blow across your face and you let the birds fly down and you get out of man-made stuff and you let your, the, the tactile nature of your cells be, and so get outside and go for a walk. Some of you go take the shower and change the temperature because tactically you need to reset the body. And there's different ways to do that. Some of you, it's the playlist you figure out, and you got to reset the body. Um, I have about five passages of Scripture that are just so deep for me. I, I can't explain to you how deep they are. Isaiah 49 is one of those. God himself is saying, can a, can a mother forget the baby that she's nursed at her breast? Of course she can't. But even if she could, I'll never forget you. I've inscribed your names on the palm of my hand. Your frame is ever before me. Well, how do I reset? I take those core passages and I go for a walk and I actually quote them back to the Lord. They deal with the long-term lie. They help me deal with the short-term crisis. And they actually, the walk. I have a pattern that I have used for 45 years. I go for a walk every day. I pray out loud about five to six minutes of it, like one friend would speak to another. I don't have to shout to a God. Tomorrow morning, you get up and I'm sitting at the kitchen table where you come for breakfast. We go to church together. I jump in the car with you, we go to church. Church is over and, and we go to lunch and I just jump in the booth with you. That afternoon, you plop down and watch a football game, and I just plop on the other chair and, and watch a football game with you. What's more weird, talking to me or not talking to me? Not including me or not including me. And a God who said, I'll never abandon you, I'll never forsake you, I'm going to put my spirit in you. Worship is just something I begin to acknowledge. Christ, you were here this morning when I woke up, and you'll be with me all day. And you just begin. And so you reset your body. It, it, does that sort of make sense? I mean, it's, it's, it, and, and, and you have to take a while. Honestly, my cancer, we treated it, we did surgery, but had all kinds of stuff. It, it's a bit of a journey. But I sit here right now, to my knowledge, is healthy and well, and, and we just took the journey. You're the same way. What's confusing you is you're moving out of childhood to adulthood. That in itself has a change. You're moving from being dependent on other people to your own independence. That's confusing. You're, you're sorting your own emotions out. That's confusing. You're actually living in a community, and no matter how good this community is, most people are not really good at relationships and friendships yet, so we're a little awkward. We just are. We're not naming names, but we're just awkward. We just are. You put together the fact your body is changing. There's not a guy in this room. Your body is nothing like it was a year ago. The girls, your body's changing more complex. You girls are really complex. And, and, and. <laughs> but all of that going on, what happens is you overreact. You overreact. When, when I have uncertainty and I don't know what to do with it, be patient, be patient. Let's deal with the long-term lie. Let's deal community on the short-term crisis. Let's reset the body and find a way so that the body can be sort of tamed down a little bit. So the next question, what do I do with anxiety? 
What do we do with anxiety? Anxiety and depression are different sides of the same coin. They're, 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 I'm not going to go back over part of that, but let me just use an anxiety. So what if you have anxiety that begins to hit you? I promise you there will be some short, some long-term lie in there and all that sort of thing, but, but let me use an S analogy. If an afternoon thunderstorm comes, you would waste a lot of energy trying to shove that afternoon thunderstorm away to make it go away. I don't want the afternoon thunderstorm. I don't like the afternoon thunderstorm. I don't want that. And so you would waste a lot of energy trying to get it to go away. It came uninvited, the afternoon thunderstorm. It will leave uninvited. You're pretty, you're, you're going to waste energy trying to shove it away. I don't like my anxiety. I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm trying to shove it away. I'm trying to think different. I want it gone. I want it gone. I want it gone. I want it gone. You're going to waste a lot. It came uninvited. It will leave uninvited. So what do you do when an afternoon thunderstorm comes? What you do is you simply make a decision. I'm going to live wise and be proud of myself of what I did while I was here. You don't go run around outside with a metal pole. You don't fly a kite with a key on it. You actually go sit under the portico. I had to change plans and what I do, but I, I did homework under the, under the porch. And I let the thunderstorm go and it, and it left. And afterwards, you're proud of yourself at the wisdom you showed while it was there. Some of you with anxiety, stop trying to make it go away. All you're doing is pressuring yourself even more. See, I can't even make it go away. I, don't, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it when it comes. No, let's take a journey. Let's take a journey where you don't believe it quite as much. It's not quite the crisis that it pretends to be. The alarm is going off, but it's a false alarm. I wanna be proud of myself. so. So what I did is I used silence and solitude, or I used my friendships, or I used scripture the way I wanted to, or I simply decided to go serve somebody. I, I took a towel and basin and I went and just loved on somebody. Anxiety, you don't get it to be gone by shoving it away and getting it to go. The crazy thing is, it will leave, and then it begins to show up less and less. It'll still come off and on, but you have a pattern for what to do when it comes. Make a plan of what to do when it comes and a plan you're kind of proud of. Here's another analogy, another way of saying the same thing. So it's Thanksgiving and you have crazy Uncle Frank show up. Crazy Uncle Frank wears aluminum foil on his head so that the government can't read his thoughts, okay? And Uncle, you know, crazy Uncle Frank comes and he sits there at the chair and he tells all kinds of stories how aliens parked in his, you know, his backyard last week and talked to him. This is your mother's brother, okay? I mean, whatever the case may be. And you listen and you're kind to Uncle Frank, but you don't take him seriously. You're sweet to him, but you don't get all bent out of shape. He said aliens came in the back. No, you don't take him serious. Some of you need to name your anxiety. Uncle Frank showed back up again but don't listen to it too much. It's not telling you the truth. You want to be proud of yourself while Uncle Frank was there. And I made good decisions and I used some self-discipline and I didn't waste all my energy trying to throw him out the door. Does that sort of make sense? Those are two things in the refrigerator. Let me do another one. You realize, don't you, you want to flip that over to a clean page? 
You guys realize, don't you, that you have patterns in your life? You are patterned people. Um, if I toss um, any of you, if I toss you this, did you have to stop and think about which hand you're going to catch it with? It's rather automatic. Any one of you, I toss it. If you're more dominant right-handed, you just automatically did it. If you're more dominant left-handed, you did it. This morning when you brushed your teeth, and, and, and I, no confession here, but I'm hoping you did. This morning <laughs> when you brushed your teeth, which hand did you hold the brush in? Um, when you brushed, where did you start with your teeth? Did you start, you know, you didn't think about it, but you started in the exact same spot. When you go into your house and you lay your keys down, where do they go? The table. We, we're patterned people. We're patterned people. I could walk through any number of them. When you get in your car, when you sit in your car, if you thought about it, you have about eight things you do when you first get in a sequence that's unique to you. We're patterned. What you don't realize is that you are patterned in your thinking. You have a way of thinking. While you have a gazillion brain cells, truth is you have a very clear path that you use continually. That pattern thinking is what I want, to, I want you to think about your thinking. Do you know how you think? Do you recognize your pattern? Um, this, I want to appreciate a guy named Dr. Tim Jennings. He runs an inpatient um, treatment center. He also does uh, outpatient counseling. Um, but Dr. Tim Jennings, I've listened to him speak two or three times and, and I'm blown away by something he pointed out. Now, I've altered this a little bit for my language, but Dr. Tim Jennings, I want to give credit to. Tim Jennings said he was confused among Christian people why there are Christian people who feel a lack of freedom. They just... They feel trapped, just lack of freedom. There are three things in particular that you could find underneath that. The three things, and I'm not going to turn and write them, the three things underneath, like if you ask them about their self-esteem and how much they enjoy their own life, it's pretty low self-esteem. Here's the second. They're longing emotions. We all have longing emotions. Emotions to be loved. Emotions to love other people. Emotions of joy. We have longing emotions. Their self-esteem is lower. Their longing emotions are lower. And then the third one underneath that is do you feel like your life's very empowered to make much change and, and make life better for other people? And, and it's kind of lowered. Yeah, I, it's down here. And he said, they love Jesus and they're Christian people and, and, and everything else. He said, on the other hand, I run into people who feel very free. They feel a great deal of freedom. And if I ask them, do you, do you like being you? They'll go, oh, yeah, I'm a doofus. I mean, I got all kinds of things I need to figure out, but I kind of like being me. Yeah. Longing emotions. Do you feel like you can love people? Do you feel like people love you? Do you feel like you have joy? Yeah, for the, yeah, I got days I don't, but yeah, for the most, yeah, my longing emotions are up. Number three, do you feel like your life could make a difference? 
you know, I don't want to sound egotistical, but yeah, I think, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of do. Dr. Jennings said, I couldn't figure out, so how's that happen? He said, I can tell you it doesn't have much to do with your past. Because I got people with horrible pasts that are over here. I got people with great pasts that are over here. I couldn't, I, he, said it, it, and it, he said, it took me years to process this. He said, I began to recognize the pattern of thinking that you use takes you to one or the other. If I had longer, I would use a different illustration, but I'm going to cut in. So Thanksgiving is coming, and you have to make a decision about whether to go to mom's or dad's for Thanksgiving. We'll just put that one out there. Okay? Now, if I tro follow that one, I'm going to get into some of your camps. Okay? That, that's the illustration I'd like to stay with. But I'm going to step away from that and use a stupid one because I need you to be able to translate safely into this story. I'm trying to decide whether to rob a bank or not. A lot of good reasons to rob a bank. For one, they keep the money there. Okay, that, that would be one. Okay. And I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking to myself, everybody else has money. I don't have money. Everybody else can pay their bills. I, I'm having trouble paying my bills. I'm really stressed because I can't pay my bills. My apartment rent's coming up, and, and other people take vacations. I, I don't get a chance to take a vacation. My friends, they all are doing things I can't. It's just not right. My, I, I, I'm thinking about robbing a bank. And so I start a series of logical steps I have to go to to make a decision should I rob the bank. Here's the first one. What's the nature of God? What's the nature of God? Well, God's not a bully, and he doesn't bully people, and, and probably the nature of God is, is probably not going to cheer me on to robbing a bank. That, that, that does, it doesn't really see the nature of God. And so I move to the next. What's my reason tell me? Well, my reason tells me that they arrest bank robbers. And the reason tells me that I probably wouldn't get away with it. And my reason tells me, even if I got away with it, I don't think there's a great honor among thieves. And I don't think I know stories that turn out well, even if I didn't get it. My reason tells me this could turn out poorly for me. What do my longing, this is pretty key, what do my longing emotions tell me? Well, my longing emotions tell me I would like to be respected. My longing emotions tell me I'd like to be proud of myself. My longing emotions tell me I'd like to be somebody who's safe for people. So my longing emotions tell me I probably shouldn't rob a bank. So I come from that to make the decision. I don't, I'm not going to rob the bank. I've made a decision. It doesn't fit the nature of God. It, my reason tells me no. My longing emotions tell me no. I'm not going to rob the bank. But here's, the, the deal's not done. The problem is, 
I have, I have to stand in the face of negative emotions. Now I have to stand in the face of negative. I've made, them, I've made the decision not to rob a bank, but now I'm still scared. How am I going to pay my rent? How am, I, how am I going to have enough money to enroll school next semester? How am I going to enjoy life when everybody else can do things and I can't? But like a storm or like a wind, I planted my feet. No, I'm not going to rob the bank. I have to stand there and let those negative emotions come to me but I'm not changing my decision. I'm not robbing a bank. Now here's the crazy thing, stay with me. If I stand in the face of those negative emotions, come next morning those emotions are not quite as strong as they were, I'm actually kind of proud of myself. I, I kind of came through a storm and I made it, not, not bad Randy, and I made a decision kind of proud of. Nice job. So I have 500 more decisions today, today, all kinds of little things. Should I race that guy to the parking spot? <laughs> Just, and I begin to start a pattern, a pattern of top-down thinking. But what if I go the other direction? What if I do bottom-up thinking? If I have a pattern of bottom-up thinking, let's go back to my illustration. Should I go to, to dad's for Thanksgiving or mom's for Thanksgiving? If I start from the bottom, it's going to go, oh, man. By the way, I didn't finish that well enough. I should have. My apology. Those negative emotions will be anger. There'll be selfishness. There'll be fear. I mean, there's all kinds of these negative emotions that are there. Should I go to dad's or mom's? Well, I don't even really honestly have a choice. My mom, there'll be hell to pay if I, if, if I didn't go to mom's. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'd like to go to dad's, but you, you don't know my mom. You, you, the way mom would react, it, it is... I'm... Honestly, I don't get much of a choice on this because I, I, mom would absolutely have a cow. This would come apart. So I don't have any choice. I don't get to choose. Out of fear of mom, out of knowing mom's anger and how worthless I feel afterwards, I have to make the decision bottom up. I made the decision I'm going to go to mom's for Thanksgiving. What's that do to my longing emotions of joy? Nah. I know this is stupid, but if I took a gun and held the gun on you and said, I want you to go hug 25 people in here and tell them you love them. And I held a gun on you. So you hug 25 people. How many warm fuzzies do you have after hugging 25 people? The answer is almost none. Why? Because trapped and forced has no joy. So I, I had no choice but to go to mom's because I found mom's behavior. What happens to your longing emotions? They flatten. 
What's that do to your reason and your logic? You actually have to begin to twist your logic. What's that do to the nature of God? You have to begin to go, God doesn't really help with this. This doesn't really apply. You've got, and what does that do? It leads you to a lack of freedom, which leads you back. And the next 50 decisions you make, you start a pattern. Some of you feel so trapped by your anger. I didn't have any choice. I am just so stinking mad. And you are making decisions out of your negative emotions and it's flattening your longing emotions and it's twisting your logic and it's twisting your view of God and you keep doing it over and over and over again. And you are the warden of your own prison. So how do you do it? Oh, it takes a lot of courage. But it's the conversation that goes, what's the nature of God? God made me in his image and he intends for me to have the freedom to make wise decisions and good decisions. And mom, I can't let mom kidnap me and I can't be kidnapped anymore like an eight-year-old kid. And so you go, I'm going to go to dad's. What's that do to your longing emotions? I actually get to be a courageous individual and I'm not held captive by mom or my own fear. What's that do? And so you make the decision. Now you still have to stand in the face of mom's anger. But let's let mom's anger be mom's anger. I'm, I'm no longer kidnapped anymore. I'm no longer living that direction. Now you have so many decisions. We could put porn on this. We could put, but here's my question. Do you have a pattern and a sequence that you recognize? If I would open for you Colossians chapter three, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God or Romans 12 or passage after passage after passage. I know it's late in the day and I'm gonna quit here. I was gonna do a couple more things. This is long enough. For some of you, if I had any gift to give you as I leave, it would be this. I need you to challenge the pattern by what you think. Your negative emotions, your fears are driving your decisions. And when your fears, your anger, your selfishness, your lust, when you let negative emotions drive your decisions, you are kidnapped and trapped. I might as well put man, you can't have joy and laughter and delight. I'm not telling you it's always easy to do top down but I'm telling you it's easier than living bottom up. You think being a Christian and making Christian decisions is hard? Oh, really? Try living as a non-Christian for a while. You think wise and good decisions are hard to make? Try living with the consequences of bad ones for a while. Many of you are being worked out by the Holy Spirit in your life. Your box is getting emptied, but you're going to have to make the conscious decision. I am done doing bottom-up thinking. I'm going to start doing top-down, and that top-down will give you time. One last thing I guess I better throw in. It operates on a continuum. There are people that always do bottom-up thinking, but not many. 
there are people that always do top-down thinking. Truth is, most of us move back and forth a little on that. And when you have a season that you feel stressed, guess what you move to? So what do you have to do? You've got to cut down how many times you move to this end, and you've got to slowly begin to move this so that almost always, and when I do, I quickly repent, and I go back to the pattern I want. So it's not a one-time decision. The call of Christ in your life is to flourish. I want you raising your children with a mom who flourishes. I want your kids to go of all the broken world. I could sit with my mom and my mom was wise and my mom was whole. I want your 13-year-old boy talking about his father and going, yeah, dads, I got the stupid jokes and all those things. And, but there's few men on the face of the earth I respect more than my father. And you have a season to prepare for that. The way you're going to have to do it is decide the Christ view of you is where you're headed. You have to decide, I'm emptying the box. I want it to take these blessings. You're going to have to decide, I challenge my patterns of thinking. You're going to have to decide how you live in community. You're going to have to decide what you do with silence and solitude. You're going to have to decide whether you're rooted in the scriptures or whether you're hanging your own lantern on the front of your ship. But when you do, here's the promise I make for you. It's where I started. And the one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. God bless.